Holy cow, everything worked. Lucky, lucky. Good morning. This is Dorcas Smith, Granny D, out of Plymouth, Michigan. And welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 Weight Management Call. It's a call we have every day. Now, those of you on the West Coast are up at the crack of dawn. I don't know how you do this, and I go kudos to you every morning because it's 9.35 here or 9.40 in Michigan in on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, it's, it's like 6.40 in the morning, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So I welcome you, and I recognize all of you who are here at the crack of dawn every day. I hope you enjoy what I'm going to talk to you about. It's all about the brain and exercise. Good food that comes from our TR90 and Body Burn 30 systems, obviously, but it's all about the brain. Neurotransmitters. Now, the National Geographic says when a neuron sends an electric discharge along the length of its axion, it halts at the synapse like a car at the edge of a cliff. There, the impulse activates electrically charged molecules stored in the neuron cell wall. These molecules, known as neurotransmitters, lead the membrane of the first neuron, move across the synaptic cleft, and dock at the second neuron. The receptor cell surface contains specially shaped docking sites, so the particular neurotransmitters can only dock at the appropriate places. The arrival of a neurotransmitter alters the electrical charge at the edge of the new neuron and sparks a new electrical impulse. It travels the length of the new cell until it reaches the synapse of another receptor cell, and then it starts the process all over again. Electrical networks. As impulses pass along the complicated chains in the central nervous system, they form networks that specialize in performing particular functions, such as understanding language, remembering experiences from the past, and comprehending the outside world. All information processed by the brain is nothing more than electricity passing through neuron after neuron pausing only to be converted into a chemical energy as it leaps across each synapse. More than a 100 neurotransmitters have been discovered so far. Certain, neurotransmitter, certain neurotransmitters make muscles contract, help to regulate your sleep, and block pain. Neurotransmitter disorders have been linked to, listen to this, Neurotransmitter disorders have been linked to Parkinson's disease, depression, Alzheimer's disease, schizophrenia, and a host of other illnesses. And here's a did you know. Nerve impulses travel at between 3 to 400 feet per second. It's absolutely fascinating. So why is this important? because our brain is, electric, is electricity. It's our electrical activity. And what makes your brain work well? Good food, sleep, and water, and ta-da, exercise. 
Move, 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 move. So, if you remember last week I was talking about um, building, or and, and it's the, tech, the, the, the chapter heading was an exercise in road building. So just remember, and this is what Medina says, so I'm going moving on to Medina. Whether you are a typical eater or a competitive one, the oxygen-rich air you inhale keeps the food you eat from killing you. Getting food into the tissues and getting toxic electrons out obviously are matters of access. That's why blood has to be everywhere inside you, serving as both weight staff and hazmat team. Any tissue without enough blood supply is going to starve to death, your brain included. That's important because the brain's appetite for energy is enormous. The brain represents only 2% of most people's body weight, yet it accounts for about 20% of the body's total energy usage. Think about that again. It represents only 2% of the body weight, but accounts for about 20% of the body's total energy usage, about 10 times more than would be expected. When the brain is fully working, it uses more energy per unit of tissue weight than a fully exercising quadricep. In fact, the human brain cannot simultaneously activate more than 2% of its neurons at any one time. More than this, and the glucose supply becomes so quickly exhausted that you will faint. If it sounds like the brain needs a lot of glucose and generates a lot of toxic waste, you are right on the money. This means the brain also needs lots of oxygen-soaked blood. How much food and waste can the brain generate in just a few minutes? Consider the following statistics. The three requirements for human life are food, drink, and fresh air. But their effects on survival have very different timelines. You can live for 30 days or so without food. You can go for up to a week or so without drinking water. However, your brain is so active that it cannot go without oxygen for more than five minutes without risking serious and permanent damage. Toxic electrons overaccumulate because the blood can't deliver enough oxygen sponges. Even in a healthy brain, the blood's delivery system can be improved. Aha, and that's where, ta-da, exercise comes in. It reminds me of a seemingly mundane little insight that literally changed the history of the world. Listen to this one. It's a great story. The man with the insight was named John Luden McAdam. McAdam was a Scottish engineer living in England in the early 1800s, and he noticed the difficulty people had trying to move goods and supplies over hole-filled, often muddy, frequently impassable dirt roads. He got the splendid idea of raising the level of the road using layers of rock and gravel. This immediately made the roads more stable. 
less muddy, and less flood-prone. Less flood-prone. As county after county adopted his process, now called macadamization, no macadamization, an astonishing after-effect occurred. People instantly got more dependable access to one another's goods and services. Offshoots from the main roads sprang up, and pretty soon entire countrysides had access to far-flung points using stable arteries of transportation. Trade grew, people got richer. By changing the way things moved, Macadam changed the way we live. What does this have to do with exercise? Ah, McAdam's central notion wasn't to improve goods and services, but was to improve access to goods and services. You can do the same for your brain by increasing the roads in your body, namely your blood vessels, through exercise. Exercise does not provide the oxygen and the food. It provides your body with greater access to the oxygen and the food. It's getting the access to the oxygen and the food. How this works is actually quite easy to understand. When you exercise, you increase blood flow across the tissues of your body. This is because exercise stimulates the blood vessels to create a powerful, flow-regulating molecule called nitric oxide. As the flow improves, the body makes new blood vessels, which then penetrate deeper and deeper into the tissues of the body. This allows more access to the bloodstream's goods and services, which include food distribution and waste disposal. The more you exercise, the more tissues you can feed and the more toxic waste you can remove. This happens all over the body. That's why exercise improves the performance of most human functions. You stabilize the existing transportation structures and add new ones. Just like McAdams Roads, all of a sudden you are becoming healthier. The same happens in the human brain. Imaging studies have shown that exercise literally increases blood volume in a region of the brain called the dentate gyrus, D-E-N-T-A-T-E gyrus, G-Y-R-U-S. That's a big deal. The dentate gyrus is a vital constituent of the hippocampus, a region deeply involved in memory formation. Sorry. The dentate gyrus is a vital constituent of the hippocampus, a region deeply involved in memory formation. This blood flow increase, which may be the result of new capillaries, allows more brain cells greater access to the blood's food and hazmat teams. Another brain-specific effect of exercise recently has become clear, one that isn't reminiscent of roads so much as of fertilizer. At the molecular level, early studies indicate that exercise also stimulates one of the brain's most powerful growth factors, BDNF. That stands for 
brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. I'll say it again, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And it aids in the dependent, sorry, and it aids in the development of healthy tissue. BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, exerts a fertilizer-like growth effect on certain neurons in the brain. The protein keeps existing neurons healthy and young, rendering them much more willing to connect with one another. It also encourages neurogenesis. It also encourages neurogenesis, the formation of new cells in the brain. The cells most sensitive to this are in the hippocampus, inside the very region deeply involved in human cognition. Exercise increases the level of usable BDNF inside those cells. The more you exercise, the more fertilizer you create, at least if you are a laboratory animal. There is now suggestions that the same mechanism also occurs in humans. We can make a comeback. All of the evidence points in one direction, Physical activity is cognitive candy. We can make a species-wide athletic comeback. All we have to do is move. When people think of great comebacks, athletes such as, athletes such as Lance Armstrong and Paul Ham usually come to mind. However, one of the greatest comebacks of all time occurred before both of these athletes were born. It happened in 1949 to the legendary golfer, Ben Hogan. Prickly to the point of being obnoxious, he once quipped of a competitor, if we could only have just screwed another head on his shoulders, he would have been the greater, the greatest, the greatest golfer. Let me try that again. If we could have just screwed another head on his shoulders, we would have, he would have been the greatest golfer who ever lived. Hogan's gruff demeanor underscored a fierce determination. He won the PGA Championship in 1946 and 1948, the year in which he was also named PGA Player of the Year. However, that all ended abruptly. On a foggy night in Texas, in the Texas winter of 1949, Hogan and his wife were hit head-on by a bus. Hogan fractured every bone that could matter to a golfer. Collarbone, pelvis, ankle, rib. He was left with life-threatening blood clots. The doctor said he might never walk again, let alone play golf. Ha! Hogan ignored the prognostications. A year after the accident, he climbed back onto the green and won the U.S. Open. Three years later, he played one of the most successful single seasons in professional golf. He won five of the six tournaments he entered, including the first three major championships of the year, a feat now known as the Hogan Slam. Reflecting on one of the greatest comebacks in sports history, he said in his typically spicy manner, people have always been telling me what I can't do. And he retired in 1971. When I reflect on the effects of exercise on cognition and the things we might try to recapture its benefits, Medina is reminded of such comebacks. 
civilization while giving us seemingly forward advances as modern medicine and spatulas has also had a nasty side effect. It gave us more opportunity to sit on our butts. Whether learning or working, we gradually quit exercising the way our ancestors did. The result is like a traffic wreck. Recall that our evolutionary ancestors were used to walking up to 12 miles per day. This means that our brains were supported for most of our evolutionary history. Sorry, let me try that again. This means that our brains were supported for most of our evolutionary evolutionary history by Olympic caliber bodies. We were not used to sitting in a classroom for eight hours at a stretch. We were not used to sitting in a cubicle for eight hours at a stretch. If we sat around the Serengeti for eight hours, heck, for eight minutes, we were usually somebody's lunch. We haven't had millions of years to adapt to our sedentary lifestyle. That means we need a comeback. Removing ourselves from such inactivity is the first step. Medina says, I am convinced that integrating exercise into those eight hours of work and school will not only make us smarter, it will make us normal. Isn't that cool? So, exercise. It can be just walking. Just move. Get yourself out and move and know that when you're moving, you've got the fertilizer going and you're growing new capillaries. And when you're growing new capillaries, you're getting more oxygen and you're getting more blood everywhere. Remember, your brain takes up 20% of your energy output. The more, the better your blood and oxygen are from exercise the better you'll work and the better you'll remember and the happier you'll be and the less depression and less Alzheimer's. So there you are. I'm going to stop for the day, but is that awesome information. Here we go.